Welcome to the Trinity Western University Chapel podcast. It is our prayer that these chapel talks would bless your heart and they would draw you closer to our Lord. We offer them to the glory of God and for the good of the world. Well, good morning, dear friends. It's Missions Week on campus, and it gives us a wonderful opportunity to revisit and reconsider the Great Commission of Jesus, where he invites his disciples to share his good news with all the peoples of the earth. Um, in Matthew 28:19, the scripture says in English, go therefore and disciple the nations. And you would think when you read that, um, that the emphatic word is go. Now, we know the New Testament wasn't written in English, it was written in Greek. And in Greek, it's not go as a command, it's an ing verb. It says going, or as you go. The, uh, the emphasis of this statement is on the naturalness of being a missional person, of inviting all peoples into relationship with their creator as we go about the business of our everyday lives. And that scripture also says, as you go, disciple the nations. And in the 21st century world, we tend to think of nations as political divisions, where borders and boundaries uh, define peoples. But the word in Greek, again, is the word ethne. We get the word ethnic from this. So it literally is saying, as you go, get in touch with and invite to become followers of Jesus all the culture and language and social groups of the world. Think about the, the continent of Africa, 52 nations politically, but in terms of tribal and social and language groups, more than 3,000. In Canada, we think about the English-French divide, but I was looking at the stats this morning, and the government statistics tell us that there are 296 principal languages that people use as citizens of Canada. I read a Vancouver Sun article that was talking about the Vancouver School District where uh, teachers are now sending home notes in 23 different languages. So the ethne of the world in their beauty, their variety, and their complexity is all around us. Now, obviously, we want to be obedient followers of Christ. We are devoted to him. But the problem is, here we are. We're bounded by our location and maybe, while we're students, by our vocation. It's not possible to go to the ends of the earth while we're you know, doing classes Monday to Friday. But the point is that we can live a missional life because as we go through life, through our normal, everyday happenstance, circumstances, we can reach out to peoples around us. And two foci, think about our attitudes and our actions. When we consider our attitudes, um, it's, more, it's more a matter, yes, of attitude, not latitude, in terms of reaching out to peoples uh, globally. It's the cultivation of the things that are our values and that move and motivate us. Um, let me ask you, how do you spend your money? Funny how $100 looks so big when you want to donate to charity, but it's pretty small when you take it to the mall, yeah? Um, in living a missional life, the key is to foster a spirit of generosity towards people in need that we're in constant contact with, and maybe to make provision, not much, but but regularly to give to greater causes in the world. Think about how you spend your time. 
Yes, the Bible directs believers to tithe of their money, but have you ever considered tithing of your life? If you live to be 70 years old, that's the average life expectancy in Canada, could you see yourself devoting seven years of your life to doing pro bono law work, to um, running a, uh, an NGO, to teaching, or to nursing, or to providing food security to people wherever they would be in need? In our lifetime, we manifest what we do through what we think, and then secondly, through what we do. Our attitudes and our actions. Our actions, well, they can begin, just like it says in the Great Commission, by reaching out to the ethne, the people who are um, beyond our own social and cultural group. And the point is, it has to be intentional. This is not going to come about unless we uh, determine to walk this way. Now, my husband and I have been really concerned in our own neighborhood where we live in Abbotsford that we wanted to somehow connect more directly with uh, some of the Sikh backgrounded community there. And especially with the older people because they don't speak much English or some not at all. And we just would like them to feel welcomed into the midst of, of um, Canadian life. So anyway, we learned some basic standard phrases in Punjabi, greetings and um, expressions about health and different things like this. But we were really anxious, wondering how we were going to make a first connection with some of the elderly in the community. So what happened was this. Um, we were going home late one night from work and we went to Savon to pick up some bread for the next morning sandwiches. And uh, there's the big bulk bun bins there. And... Um, Slava stayed in the car and I went inside and there's almost nobody in the store because it was just about to close. And then there he was. A very tall, austere-looking, grand gentleman with a turban on his head and a white flowing beard and he was heading down the same row as I was. And we were on a collision course right to the bun bin. Well, I just, you know, honestly, I was hyperventilating. Come on, Joanne, come on, Joanne. Okay, this is it. Suck it up, you know. Okay, okay, okay. And somehow, I just managed to get it out. Hello, how are you in Punjabi? And this man that looked so kind of scary a moment before broke into a bright smile and uh, he just you know, gestured to me with his arms. There was only one tong there to, um, to get the bun out of the bin. And so I said, well, you go ahead. He said, no, you. I said, no, you, you. And so we, we didn't have much more communication than this, but we smiled at each other when we took our bags to the till. And, you know, at least I can say that there's one new immigrant in Abbotsford that knows his neighbors welcome him and appreciate the impact that his community is having there. So it can be just something as simple as starting as you go in the neighborhood, and it can be further afield too. Um, William Cameron Townsend was a young fellow who graduated from uh, college in Southern California and got a job selling Bibles in Central America. He was in the highlands of Guatemala, speaking Spanish as a second language, and he got into a conversation with the Kachakil indigenous man who was also speaking Spanish as a second language. And so they were discussing about the Bible, as best they could. Um, and so um, here's Cam Townsend trying to 
say something about God and his love for all peoples. And this catch kill man stopped him and he said, okay, here we are, we're talking in Spanish. We're not talking in your first language or my first language. If you're saying that God loves me so much, how come he can't speak directly to me? How come God doesn't speak my language? And Cam Townsend had no comeback for that. He didn't know what to say, he was stymied. But he decided right then and there, he just covenanted in his own brain, he said, if it takes the rest of my life, I'm going to learn this man's language so that he will know that indeed God loves him. Now, when he made that decision, he didn't know what was going to happen in the future. Uh, together with his wife and one other couple, so there was four people, they decided they were going to learn through oral transmission, um, catch a keel, and it took them 14 years until they knew the language well enough that they could start doing some translation work. Well, when Cam Townsend died in the 1980s, he was the head of Wycliffe Bible Translators with more than 4,000 people around the globe that rallied around this call to be able to empower indigenous people by giving them their oral language in writing so that they would know the scriptures, come to know and understand about their creator, but also be able to have agency within their own community to defend their lands and their way of life. This is what one college university student did. And one other example of university students living missionally, and I share this because uh, several semesters ago, we had Professor Tony Campolo from Eastern University in Pennsylvania come and speak in this chapel. None of you were here, but I want to share this with you to show what a few people can do of university age to fulfill the Great Commission. So uh, Professor Campolo was here and he was talking about a global economics class he had. He's a sociologist and so this was an upper level small class. They only had 15 students. They were studying about social inequities in various places and they came upon a case study of a, a company, a US company that was doing business in Haiti. It's a very poor nation in the Caribbean. And they were really troubled by this and, you know, what should we do? Sit around and grumble about it or could we do something? They covenanted together as a class that what they would do is they're going to each person, so 15 people plus the prof, bought one share in that corporation. And this gave them access to be able to speak at the shareholders' annual meeting. So they planned it very carefully, and they had two of their best students who were their best speakers. Um, they would go, they would speak for one minute, each person gets one minute, and then Professor Campolo would come at the end, so all together they would have like three minutes to address this moral question about what was happening in the environment and how people were being exploited and so on. So they did it, and the board listened very politely. The end. You know, they, they thought that their words had fallen on deaf ears and nothing was going to happen. Two weeks later, Professor Campolo gets a phone call. Hello, this is so-and-so, I'm the head of the corporation. You know, it was very interesting, the perspectives that you and your students shared um, in the shareholders meeting. Would you be willing to have lunch with me? So Professor Campolo went, I'm telling you, by the end of that year, that corporation had reversed its policy on exactly the things that that class had addressed. As you go, disciple the social and cultural groups 
of the world. Um, Jesus' words are encouraging. They're, uh, you know, they're a challenge, but they are that which sets in front of us a course that can determine where we're headed in our life. Um, it's like that song. Um, oh, how does it go? What are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? We're wasting all this time like someone's making more. What if you could be the light that someone couldn't ignore? You know, that's, that's the challenge for us. As you go, disciple the nations, share the gospel with all peoples on earth in every natural way and in every possible means. When these things come together, our missional attitudes and our missional actions, we become a powerful force for good, for God, and the gospel. A missional life, I want it to be mine, and I pray you would want it to be yours. Let me pray with you. Lord Jesus, thank you for this day and for these students. Oh, Father, show us the way to make our studies and our abilities and our interests and the passions you've put in our hearts to be most effective for your kingdom. Please use our lives for your glory among the nations, I pray. Amen. God bless you, dear friends. <laughs>